Hello, and welcome back to 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, and I'm bringing to you this time another example of a famous anti-fascist. This time I'm talking about someone named Sophia Scholl, a German student and anti-Nazi activist, and a part of the White Rose nonviolent resistance movement against the Nazi party. Scholl was born into a political family in Württemberg in 1921, so she was only about 10 when the Nazis took power in the early 1930s. Scholl's father was a mayor of her town and a liberal critic of the Nazis during his political career. He would actually eventually end up in prison for a short stint when one of his employees heard him saying against Adolf Hitler once the Nazis had taken power. In 1932, after the Nazis had taken power in Germany, she joined the League of German Girls, which was very common for her age at the time. The League of German Girls was the counterpart, the, the female counterpart, to the Hitler Youth. However, she and some of her fellow classmates became dissatisfied with the group as she grew older, and she became more aware of possible dissent against the Nazi movement. For example, her brother was arrested in 1937 for participating in the non-Hitler Youth German Youth Movement. So the German Youth Movement was an older form of scouts and like youth organizing and youth organization. Her brother was arrested for not participating in the Hitler Youth and instead participating in this dissident, different organization. Scholl was actually also arrested. Sophia Scholl was also arrested on the day that her brother, whose name was Hans, was arrested, although she was quickly released. Her brother Hans was in prison for three weeks. After a short stint as a kindergarten teacher, right after she finished secondary school, she did some compulsory service working as a nursery teacher in, in order to get into college. As a German youth in the Nazi era, she was forced to participate in compulsory service in order to get into college. She eventually enrolled at the University of Munich, where she was a biology and philosophy student. There, she joined a clique that was centered on her brother, again, Hans, uh, which eventually developed into the White Rose Society. The White Rose Society was founded on the premise of passive resistance to the Nazis, based partly in Catholic teachings, but also in Greek and German philosophers. Primarily, what the White Rose Society did was that they wrote pamphlets and leaflets calling for dissent and disruption of the Nazi state. A lot of what they did was just like talking about things that people kind of knew but would not say out loud about how the war was not in fact going particularly well, about how the Nazis were oppressive and terrifying, and also about the fact that, like, remember, only about 30% of Germans voted them into power. Most people did not vote for the Nazis to be in power. Most people did not exactly choose Nazi power. And so that was what the White Rose Society promoted. For example, one of its graffiti slogans said, Hitler cannot end the war, he can only prolong it, trying to tell people that the war could not end as long as Hitler was in power, which was um, very prophetic, very true. Sophie was a perfect recruit for the organization because she was less likely to be randomly stopped by the police for questioning because she was a young woman. She was also benefiting from the fact that unlike her brother, she didn't already have a large criminal record of dissent and disruption which her brother and the other members shared. The other thing to remember about the White Rose group is that it was a student group, first and foremost. These were idealistic young people. They were well-read and principled. 
but they were not really worldly, right? They were part of a small and bourgeois universe in Germany. Their parents were well-off or politically well-connected, and they were, again, university students at a time when very few people went to university. They were also a very close-knit group of friends and siblings. They later revealed to Gestapo interrogators that they chose the name White Rose probably due to poetry. The German poet Bertano wrote a poem called The White Rose, which uh, Sophie's brother Hans was very, uh, very, very fond of. There's also another poem by Jose Martí, the Cuban nationalist and poet, uh, which also references a white rose. And so the white rose was supposed to be a symbol of innocence and the power of innocence and the refusal to succumb to corruption. On the 18th of February, 1943, Sophie and her brother went to a different university to drop off leaflets for other students to find and clandestinely distribute. At this point, their distribution methods were primarily that they would print out a whole bunch of leaflets and then like leave them around, hoping that other people would distribute them amongst themselves, right? That people would grab a couple and like hand them around, stuff like that. However, when they had deposited all of them, they realized that a couple more were left in the suitcase that they had taken them to the university in. And Sophie decided to fling these last copies from the top floor of the building down to a sort of mezzanine lower in the floor. This was witnessed by a close believer Nazi, somebody who worked at the university, who got the police and had them arrested. Sophie and her brother were questioned by the Gestapo for what they had been doing, and they both succumbed to this interrogation and torture. Although at first the Gestapo interrogators did not believe that Sophie Scholl was responsible for any of this, she, they thought that she was innocent, she later claimed responsibility in an attempt to shield the other members of the organization. Unfortunately, almost all of the other members of the organization were rounded up by the Gestapo because of this interrogation, and almost all of them were sentenced to execution. However, due to the supposed bravery that they displayed, and I, by supposed I don't mean that they weren't brave, I just mean that like the Gestapo actually recognized what they were doing as being brave, because of this they were allowed to congregate together and talk with one another one last time before they were executed. They were even allowed to share some cigarettes together. They were executed on the 22nd of February, 1943, mostly by guillotine. Sophie Scholl went first so that she would not be forced to watch the beheading of her older brother. The legacy of the White Rose is that one of the copies of their leaflets was smuggled out of Germany in 1943. There it made its way to the United Kingdom, and there it made its way to the front office of the Royal Air Force, that is, the Air Force of the United Kingdom. And they realized what use this would be, what amazing use this would be as an example of propaganda. They copied the leaflet millions and millions and millions of times and dropped it all over cities all over Germany. The point of their doing so was to show people that it was possible to resist fascism, that it was possible to resist the Nazis, and that even people as young as Sophie, who was a teenager, had the conviction and the courage to stand up to fascism 
even if it meant risking their own lives, because that was what was right to do. Sophie Scholl and the White Rose Society have a complex legacy when you talk about fascism and anti-fascism. Obviously, their bravery for standing up to the Nazis in this time is commendable. In some ways, it's miraculous. But at the same time, they were deeply naive. They espoused a form of peaceful, passive resistance in the face of an organization and a movement and an ideology that is based in violence. And I can understand how some people might think that that is the right way to respond to violence, you know, turn the other cheek and something like that. But the thing is that when it comes to fascism, some of the rules are different. You know, fascists believe in violence, they want violence, they do violence. And at this point, the Nazi, the Nazi party was already firmly entrenched in power. I don't know if a nonviolent resistance movement could have possibly toppled that government at that time, especially as the war roiled on. However, their courage and conviction is almost impossible to comprehend, knowing that they would likely be found and that they would likely be killed and just doing what they believed anyway. All right, that was 15 Minutes of Fascism. Once again, this time, not exactly 15 minutes. Uh, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, thanking Sleepy Kitty Arts and Sleepy Kitty Music for our intro, outro, and graphics. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. Please leave a review on whatever it is you're listening to this on. Check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash 15 minutes of fascism. That's 15 minutes of fascism spelled out in all one word. That's also where you can reach me on Gmail, 15 minutes of fascism at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at hist of the right. That's H I S T of the right and fascism 15. I'm also on blue sky at 15 M I N S O F F A S C. All right. Thanks very much. And I'll talk to you next week. 